Yeah, well, I had to learn myself because, as you know, I did psychology. We talked about it. And one of the regrets is that they don't teach you a lot about business. So I had to learn all of that myself, too, how these things work. So, yeah, I and that's and that's one of the things that I think as an investor and an entrepreneur, I I have um, I have some advantage because I know both sides of the of the story. I know I've been in both situations My name is Connor Devine and you are listening to Money and Plants, my podcast. This is episode number 47 of Money and Plants. In this episode, it's all about business. It's all about entrepreneurship. It's all about Mikhail Van Dersen. Who is Mikhail Van Dersen? Mikhail, Mikhail is someone I've been following actually for a number of years. Um, he's a really, really interesting character and I've been trying to get this conversation to happen now probably for at least two years. So earlier this week, we had an opportunity to catch up. And if you want to listen to this podcast, you're obviously listening to it now on whatever platform, but it's also available on my YouTube channel. If you want to actually see us, then you're more than welcome to have a look at YouTube. But look, in this conversation, what I was trying to do is try, in terms of bringing value to you, the listener, I was trying to give you an insight into the psychology of a really successful entrepreneur. Mikhail has a number of exits under his belt uh, right now. He sold, I think it's three or maybe four companies. He has reached that holy grail of, of business in that he is financially free. If he wanted to, he wouldn't have to work uh, another day in his life. We talk about this. He could sit under the palm tree with a cocktail, put the feet up and take it easy. But no, not, not Mikhail. That's not what he's about. Um, he did take a year off and he went travelling, but he's now back uh, under his uh, new platform, uh, Capital V, where he is teaching and mentoring and investing in lots of different companies, actually, um, all around the world. So, look, we have a really interesting conversation. What I'm going to do is I want to roll the tip. I want you to listen to it. Um, you should probably grab a pen and, and make some notes. And what I'll do is I'll do what I normally do, which is I will wrap up after this conversation with Mikhail van Dersen. Mikhail, good morning. It is absolutely fantastic to speak to you on Money and Plants. Um, we've been in touch for now, I don't know, I can't remember, about two or three years. I've, be, I've really been following uh, your entrepreneurial career um, with huge amount of admiration, actually. Um, because I know that you've reached financial freedom and, and you're now doing lots of really interesting things. Um, so welcome to the podcast. I think I'm speaking to you in Spain. How are you? How are you, how are you keeping? Hi, thank you for having me. It's amazing to be uh, to see you finally. Yeah, to finally speak. Um, yeah, so look, what, what I really wanted to get uh, out of this conversation, um, I have, it's a, it's a business podcast, but it's also a health podcast. 
And I know that those are two areas that you're really interested in and also for myself. Um, but I think in this particular one, what I really want to get, uh, get the listeners in terms of creating value is to get a feel for your own experiences in terms of your entrepreneurial experiences because you're a very successful entrepreneur. You have a number of exits under your belt. So probably before we get stuck into it, uh, I do. I did notice, I've heard you speak about this, but um, you have a degree in psychology, is that right? So I'm interested, what drew you to psychology? Because for me, economics and business is all about the study of human behavior. And if you can figure out how humans behave and think and act, then you might have, have the bones of a good business. So that really struck me about you is that you did study psychology. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, well, that's actually a good question. I was I was young when I had to choose my uh, my uh, study, uh, and and I think at that moment I was really interested in why are humans, why are people doing what they do? What is motivating them? What is you know what what is what is happening in in the brains of people? What are why are they choosing the things they do? I was super interested in advertising. Why does that work? Why does that not work? Uh, how can you reach people? How can you change people's minds? Change is always a big, uh, a big uh, passion for me. Why? Why do people? Uh, how do people react to change? And uh, psychology sounded like uh, like the right uh, study for that. Yeah, and in the end, yeah. I, I ended doing neuropsychology, which was the study of the brain. Excellent. So I've I've had um, Dr. Tommy Wood on the podcast, who's one of the world's leading uh, neuroscientists. Um, I had a wonderful conversation about brain health, and then he, only last week I had Dr. Jeffrey Rediger, who has written an amazing book called Cured, and we talked about psychology and human behavior. So that's. I think it's a really interesting um, structure for any business owner to work from. Uh, I think it's an advantage because I, I, I sort of didn't study psychology um, academically, but I do feel that I have been studying human behavior for, for as long as I can remember. Would it be fair to say, uh, Michael, that, that you're a very curious person, that curiosity in, in, in your own brain is what, what drives you, um, what drives you every day? Is that, is that fair? Yes, I think you can say that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. So whenever I was doing a little bit of my research, um, I I believe that you exited, uh, you have a number of exits under your belt right now, but you really exited your first company. Was it like the gum tree of, of, of Holland, which you then moved to Belgium and then you sold that company? Could Just a brief introduction on, on, on what happened there. Yes. I can. Uh, <clears throat> when I was studying psychology, I uh, I was uh, I started the the country of Holland on the side because I was really uh, passionate about this new thing that was uh, was happening, the internet, and I wanted to do something with it. I thought this is going to change the world, so I started like a classified ad website for for the Netherlands. But. Um, well, it wasn't just start it, grow and sell it. It was all a roller coaster with pivoting and, and things happening. So in the end, the Dutch version, the Netherlands version didn't work out as planned. There was one competitor and they uh, they were growing faster. They were doing everything a little bit better and they focused on their business. What we did, and they had money. I think that's also important to say, because when I started, there was a there was a crisis going on, the internet bubble, bubble 
just had burst. So there was no way to get uh, external money. So what I did was create another company building websites for, for customers. And with that money uh, invested in my, in my classifieds ad website. And that worked quite well, but we forgot about the whole, uh, we worked so hard on this, on this new business that we kind of lost track of the, of the goal of it. And we, um, we lost the market and it's a winner takes all markets. And so we were the set number two in the Netherlands with what not, which wasn't good enough. Uh, but then I discovered that in Belgium, there was no such uh, website yet, no marketplace. And uh, and I thought uh, this is not going to happen to me twice. I'm I, and that then I moved to uh, to Brussels, moved to Belgium, set up the Belgian website, translated it into French, and uh, focused 100% on the on the on the classifieds business. While my business partner, my co-founder, was doing the the other company with me, and uh, and together we uh, we grew that into a, into the biggest website in Belgium. Excellent. And when did you sell that company then? This was in 2013. We sold it to eBay. Nine years ago. Right. Okay. And, the, and then when it, whenever you sold the company, did you immediately uh, go on holiday and put the feet up and take a rest for a few years? Or what happened in the next 12 months? What happened? That was the dream, right? If you sell your company, you go to, uh, to lie under a palm tree and look at the sea and have cocktails. But that was only fun for, and I did. I did it for two months or three months. I, I went traveling to Australia and stuff, but it wasn't really, um, I think I still had uh, drive and motivation and it wasn't really easy to retire. And all other people around me were still working. It was, uh, and, and what is important, I think a big part of my identity was doing this business was running this company that I ran basically all my all my adult life. So I kind of had to reinvent myself and find out what was driving me, what I was apart from a company, who I was. And I spent some uh, some time doing that. That's a really interesting um, thing that you've just said there about uh, identity um, and reinvention and stuff in terms of my own business career I, I've I've went through three reinventions in the last 15 years from real estate to debt um, insolvency and now to finance so I think for entrepreneurs I think it's a really good thing that that you do evolve and and, and look at new things um, just without you disclosing the exit number did you sell the company for enough money to be financially free that you, you don't have to work anymore uh, if, if you chose that is that fair or or have you yeah ran out yeah yeah no, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Um, so uh, really then, um, and just, just for the entrepreneurs and business owners that listen to me and follow me, in terms of exiting a business, was that a difficult thing to do um, at that time, that process? Because I'm involved in lots of different businesses myself and different companies and exiting is always the dream, right? So you want to you exit, you want to get the check and then that's it. That's it. But that process for me, I find it's it's incredibly. Uh, uh, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Um, it, sometimes you, you you're not sure if it's ever even going to happen, right up until the last moment, right? So, any sort of tips or, or advice in terms of exiting a business for yourself, in terms of the experience that you've 
you had in 2013. And actually, I think you've went on to exit a couple of other companies as well, including the Vegetarian Butcher. So any sort of thoughts around that exit process in terms of maybe the professional people around you, the do's and, and, and don'ts, maybe? Um, yes, I think um, every, every exit is different. Uh, but what is uh, a common theme is that actually I didn't really want to exit. I was so passionate about doing the company, growing it, but it was also uh, in both situations a matter of um, the, the company was ready to exit. The company was, was mature. It needed a new owner, a new uh, business, a new injection of money to, to go forward. And it was the right time actually to, uh, to exit. Okay. And it went, it went relatively smoothly. Like eBay didn't come back and ship the price. Were they okay to deal with? Was it, was it straightforward? Well, in fact, when, when uh, the moment we were uh, twice as big as the number two in the market, uh, basically uh, five or six companies uh, approached us and said, we need to talk. And that means basically uh, talk about partnership or more, they call it. And then uh, that basically means they, they are interested in taking you, uh, in buying you. And then it starts, and it's basically a roller coaster. You have it's like dating. I, I think it's very much comparable to dating. You are trying to find out is this a match? What do they want? Uh, what will the future look with with you as another as a partner as a company? What will uh, the role be of myself of the employees in the future? Uh, what will the company look like? Is it a good partner? Right. So you do yeah. that. And then, and then you find another a few that you want to continue with, and and some others you don't. And it's it's a lot about feeling, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because it's basically well, in my situation, it's your baby. You work on it for like a long time, so you want to leave it in good hands. And then, um, if your company is in a good state, um, because we had this this this. Uh, this uh, sale pro sales uh, process a few times earlier, but it didn't work because there was no match in what we wanted and what the potential buyer would like to uh, to pay. So then we just said goodbye. See you in a few years. We can better do it ourselves. Okay, and that's okay. Uh, that's a that's a comfortable choice to make if you if you don't really want to sell. You know, it has to be good for both yeah. parties. Yes, fair enough. Um, and it's always a relief once you, you close out on the deal. But so one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, my, my sort of take on, on humans is that, you know, you always should give your best no matter what. So if you work for a company, you should, you should try and be the best employee in that company. You should give your best. Or if you're an entrepreneur, if you own the business, you know, you should give your best. But I'm interested in this, the difference in the psychology then between an entrepreneurial type person and what I call an, an employee. So, and, and actually, I think, Mikhail, that not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. I don't think we all have to be entrepreneurs. I don't think you need to own your own business to be successful in life. Um, so I'm interested in what you think might be the difference between someone who is an outstanding employee um, and then maybe someone who has got the skills to be an outstanding entrepreneur. Do you think psychologically there's a different uh, makeup in those two profiles. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think there's definitely a, a, a difference in these two profiles. 
and it's probably something about about uh, risk uh, appetite because I think as an entrepreneur, you you must be willing to lose everything. Uh, you work, you uh, both of both of them work really hard. But as an entrepreneur, you have to w- be willing to put the company uh, before your your company's interest interests before your own. At some point, you have to be willing to not pay salary if you can't your own because your employees have to have to get salary first. Stuff like that. I think cert- I think certainly from a risk perspective, because whenever I made the move to, to set up my own company in 2010, we were in the middle of a financial crash. And I, I had a very good job at the time. I was a director in a property company, but I, I remember handing back the keys to my car, uh, my company credit card, and I left the business with very little money at a, at a, a little shitty office on my own. Um, I had no clients. I had about some money in the bank, but not a lot. But I was sort of gambling, Michael, that I could. I had 12 months of income that I thought I only needed 12 months of income to keep me going and then I would build my company. But lots of other people at that time loved to, would have loved to have done what I've, I, I did because they all want, they hate, a lot of people end up hating their jobs, hating their colleagues and they want to do their own thing. But I just think it's a certain type of per- person who is willing to make the leap Um and it's certainly, I mean, it, I, I don't think I'm employable, actually. I, don't, I probably couldn't work for anyone anymore. Um, and I really enjoy the journey that I'm on. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, de- I definitely do think, I don't think there's a hierarchy there, Mikhail. I just think it's absolutely fantastic to be an employee. But also equally, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then I would encourage people, people to do that. I'm interested there, you did, you did say that uh, which I did find because I am I would class myself as an entrepreneur as a business person, but I'm not willing to lose everything, right? So I'm, just, I'm just not because my my day job and how my brain works is to mitigate risk, right? So 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 I'm not I'm not losing in my mindset I'm I'm not losing everything, um. So so I can only de-risk projects, um, through my experience and 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 my my judgment and, and all of that but do you really is, is that what you really believe that you you are still willing to risk everything at the moment that tells me that you're still interested in investing in quite a lot of a lot of money into projects so from your own perspective you, does that still sit with you you're you're willing to risk everything uh yes well it's it's not like a risk like in a casino where you put everything on that but it's a calculated risk um, and I think as a, I, I had the same experience as you. When I, when I started my career for a short time, I worked in an IT company and I was a consultant and they had a whole path tracked. They had a whole path for me where I would end up with a trainee class and then I would end up uh, running a business unit and whatnot. But they made me choose either that or my classified ad website, which I was running. Right, okay. And I said, why not both? Because I like your income, but I also want to do this, uh, this classifies. But no, they said, no, you have to do, you have to make a choice. And that was really difficult. And I talked to a lot of people. And then I found out a lot of people, they appreciate the income. And it's not a hierarchy, as you said, right? I agree yeah. with that fully. But it is, uh, I, I would 
regret forever if I wouldn't have done it, if I wouldn't have stepped into the into the deep end and run my business. But I and I also it's not about losing everything, willing to lose everything. But if I would if I would take the business, if I would run my own business, it could fail. And you you always have to be able to understand you can fail. Uh, most businesses fail. So that's what I mean with willing to risk okay. everything. Plus, I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have a, have a passion, have a goal, and it's not always about making money. I have mostly other goals. My goal is the classified website was to uh, uh, reduce waste and to make uh, secondhand stuff uh, more valuable to make the world a little bit better. And and with a goal like that or a passion, you uh, I, I do that still with my investments. So yeah, I uh, I'm willing to bet uh, a lot yeah. to make I my think, to make my goals happen. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I think I think it's probably fair then to uh, just to go back on that a little bit to say that whenever you make that that original jump to set up your own company, you pretty much are prepared to lose everything because it's sink or swim. But I think as you mature as an entrepreneur and then you start to make some money and maybe you do an exit, then obviously you're going to tone back and your appetite for risk probably reduces because you don't need to take as much risk as that day that you said, right, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to start my own company. So yeah, I, I, I accept that's fair. Just one of the other things that uh, there's a lot of things that I, I, I admire. Actually, I have a virtual boardroom in my head and I've had one for about 10 years. And you don't know this, but you're you're in it. Um, even though we've just spoken, even though we've just spoken for the first time, you know that I've, we've been in contact. But I have different people in my head. I don't need to meet them anymore. I go on LinkedIn. I I read. I listen to their podcasts. I I look at their websites, and it's amazing the amount of resources out there today for young people, entrepreneurs who want to improve and uh, and better themselves. And one of, so one of the other things that I'm I'm obviously vegan and plant based. Um, the reason I went plant based and vegan was for health reasons. I was very, very ill for many years and then I changed direction in my life and I've been able to go through this incredible health journey. And then I came across yourself and we've done the Ironman stuff and I'm going to come back to that. But um, in terms of your investment strategy now, you only invest in companies which reduces uh, animal cruelty. Is that is that fair? It's, 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 it's plant-based companies, vegan companies. You won't invest in anything else other than that. Can you talk to me a little bit about your motivations around that? Yeah. Well, as I said, when I sold my company, I was I was searching for a while. Uh, I tried a lot, uh, and I tried to find a new passion. And uh, one of the things I also needed to do was work on my health because I wasn't very healthy. I worked, you know, I was uh, working a lot, sitting behind my computer. So then I um, I found the Iron Man thing that we were that we share and uh, I discovered uh, it's four sports actually Ironman it's swim, bike, run and eat because you eat a lot when you train and uh, I, I dove into it and I found out that plant-based was actually the most healthy approach um, to it's, it's better for recovery it's, it's just general better for health and I uh, I found this is, I found, when I, I remember when I found out that this is so interesting, 
why doesn't anybody know this, right? How is it possible that nobody knows this? And it's clear, uh, plant-based is better for your health. It's obviously better for the animals in the industry involved. They don't have the best lives. Uh, it's better for the planet. And it solves so many problems if everybody would go plant-based. It's like, and I had the same feeling I had before was, was when I discovered the internet, when that was a growing thing. And I thought this is going to be big and I want to be part of it. So, and then I started uh, looking into companies and one of them was the vegetarian butcher, which was still uh, quite small uh, in Holland, a few guys. And, uh, and I contacted them and I said, yeah. can I help? How can I help? And uh, I, I just sent them a, a, a DM via Twitter and they responded immediately. We set up a meeting and it clicked. And from there on, I, uh, I was an investor and in, uh, in their company. Brilliant. And so, so in terms of your investment strategy, now I know you own um, Cap, Capvest, is it, or Capital V? What, what's the correct title? Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. invest only in, uh, in companies that are helping to get as many animals out of production as possible. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting whenever I speak to people and, and they're interested in my story of recovery from MS and then they hear I'm doing marathons and Ironmans, they're going, geez, that's, that's pretty good. But whenever I might speak into schools and stuff, I, I think it nearly takes a health challenge or a health problem for people to reevaluate um, their health. Um, and what I say to people, like everyone's going to get sick at some point in time. And the, the, the real driver of every illness, cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, is inflammation, right? And the, the best, obviously, uh, diet, the best way to, to feed yourself then is a, is a more plant-based diet. So it's so obvious um, that, unfortunately, it does take an illness for people to waken up, right? Um, and my message is don't, don't wait. Like, you don't have to get sick before you change you know, have a think about this now. And that's why I do a lot of this advocacy work. And it's just really interesting from your perspective, because you had exited your companies, you had made enough money to do whatever you wanted to do. But you did say that you weren't feeling that healthy. Were you tired or were, were you carrying more weight than you are now? Was it, did you have a health condition? What what was the health issue? You just, just wanted to get fitter? Yeah, I wanted to get fitter. I, um, I was not having the most healthy lifestyle. I was uh, overweight and I didn't uh, move a lot. I didn't do any sports. I, uh, you know, I walked maybe 10, 20 minutes a day and that was it. And I really wanted to change that. I wanted to change the way I feel. I was tired. I was look, not looking uh, healthy. Yeah. And you were, you're obviously, from, from a psychological perspective, you're, you're a conscientious person. So, you know, you understand that as you get a little bit older, you have to look after your body and you probably have lots of other goals and you don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. I really want yeah. to live as long as possible. And that's the, also the, a part, <laughs> of the, part of the things that plant-based people do is that generally they live longer. I don't know if they have this saying in Holland, but um, when someone dies, the, the, the car that takes them to, to the graveyard is, is a hearse. Have, is it called a hearse? And so, so one of the other Irish sayings is there's no tow bar on a hearse. It can't carry the money. To, so, um, yeah, I, yeah, I understand. So what other investment strategies do you have? So uh, any, if, if I was prospecting you, 
um, for one of my businesses and I was trying to raise some money. Um, uh, and and you liked, you liked, obviously it would have to be in the plant-based sector, so it would have to re- reduce the reliance on animals. What other uh, criteria are you looking for in a prospect? So say someone like me, what do, what do you want to see? Well, there are two things. Um, my investment strategy and what I'm looking for in, in companies, right? So I will start with the last one. What I look for in companies general is, is uh, I would like the company to have uh, multiple fi- founders, a co-founder, because if you have a company, if you're running a company, it can be quite alone at the top. So you need at least somebody to, to talk to. I want people that uh, understand um, the fact that other people, that the team is super important. They're willing, they need to be able to ask for help and advice, take it on board, not just not just take it on board, but and do something with it and do Execute. and then do what they what they want themselves, of course. Uh, know their numbers. Um basically, basically team players with a vision and, and they need to be mission aligned, I think. Put the company before their own uh things, don't take things personally. And be able to learn. Okay, excellent, excellent. One of the things I um, the the big experience, uh, Mikhail, I got out of the debt restructuring business that I still own, is I, I've met hundreds of business owners um, over the last ten years, and it's interesting because most of them, and I say this in, in the right uh, uh, tone that I mean it, they're financially illiterate, so they don't understand cash flows, they don't understand debt equity, loans, it's, uh, I speak to my accountant about that, but they're maybe a brilliant entrepreneur, they're very creative, they've got a great business, but they just don't understand the numbers. So I'm asking you then as an investor, is that something that you can help them with? If you've seen this great company, great entrepreneur, but they were a bit short in their understanding of the finances, are you prepared or have you people that you can put in there to, to continue then to agree to invest in that company or what's your take on that yeah well i had to learn myself because as you know i did psychology we talked about it and one of the regrets is that they don't teach you a lot about business so i had to learn all of that myself too how these things work so yeah i and that's and that's one of the things that i think as an investor and an entrepreneur i i have um i have some advantage because I know both sides of the of the story. I know I've been in both uh, situations. So yeah, I can help with that. And I don't immediately shoot them down if they don't know, if they are not uh, financial gurus. So I can help with that. Yeah. But in the end, of course, again, you need to be willing to learn or take somebody on your team who is good at it and yeah. make sure that's, that's also in your company. I'm not going to th- do it th- for you. I think I think the other thing I would say is that if if you are an entrepreneur and you do own a business and that you can see that the trajectory has got up and you're going really really well, I think it's really important that you reach out. And if you don't like Henry Ford, you know he doesn't need to know how every way they build the card, but you don't have to because somebody else knows it. So I think it's really important that you do get someone in who's maybe a finance head, financially illiterate, because if you're going to speak to an investor like you and I pitch and prospect every day, uh, most weeks. Um, if you don't understand the numbers or have a basic understanding of them, then it's game over. Um, it's not going to work. 
So I think that's a journey that every entrepreneur, and as you get more experience, you start to learn more. And if there is a scalable opportunity there, then you either bring somebody in or you, you know enough to get to the next stage. So um, it's important to know your numbers, right? If I wake you up yeah. in the middle of the night, you have to know your numbers still. It has to be top of mind because a business is basically about numbers. But I think the other thing about that is, you know, if you don't know something, right, it's quite intimidating, that subject matter, because you don't really know. I think there's two things in that. One is don't don't let on, you know, you know, don't try and um, sort of bullshit your way through the numbers. If you're trying, you know, that's not going to work. Um, and just be open about it. As you say, if you're open to learning, it's not rocket science, you know, cash flows. You actually can spend some time with people who can help you with that. Um, so, look, I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying the conversation. Um, it's really helpful for me as well to speak to someone like yourself who is at that stage in your entrepreneurial career. I'm wondering, Mikhail, what, what experiences to date has, has most shaped you then as a human being? Um, what, do you, what do you think? Was it your, was it your chat? Were you always from a young kid, really ambitious to stand on your own two feet? Were you always an independent person who was really curious, who wanted to make his own money? Was there experiences in your life that, that shaped you to where you are now? Uh, yeah, good question. I think it's a lot of small things, not not a few not a few big things. But I we did have I did have a quite a humble childhood. We didn't have a lot of money, and I saw uh, what, yeah what that what that did to people. I think um, I I did play a lot of uh, Monopoly. I was addicted to playing Monopoly, so uh, the game, you know. So I was already. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like the concept of money and what it what it can do. Um, I uh, I was really interested in change as a as a from from very young. I really liked the innovation, change, uh, how these things work, um, and and and. But also, it's not a life experience, but in general, I think nature just always inspires me. Seeing that nature is always there, takes over, um, grows independently, and, and how tiny humans can be, you know? it's You can think it's all about yourself, or it's all about money, or making money. But in the end, we are just here on this planet for a very short time. And and we are part of something much bigger. And I think that's that's... The realization of that has, has shaped uh, has shaped me too. And then more recently, when I was training for Ironman the, the, the year before, I got in a, in a quite a big accident. I, uh, I was on my bike doing my last long ride before the full Ironman. And I got hit by a car, a Range Rover. And I, well, I can assure you, don't do that. The Range Rover had a bigger dent, had a smaller dent than I did. But I went to the hospital, was in a coma for a week or so, spent oh. a lot of time, broke like 22 bones in my body. It was, uh, I had to start all over again. Okay. From start. Um, and after that, I also, I think, realized again how, how precious life is and how much you were. Uh... Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't. I didn't know that about your accident and that 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 was an event and a traumatic event in your life. I'm sure that has affected your perspective on things. Um, you did mention something there about Monopoly um, and 
Uh, I had a, a gentleman uh, called Hugh Hendry on the podcast in July. Hugh Hendry is one of the most famous hedge fund managers in the world. Um, he grew up in a council house in Scotland and um, uh, decided to better himself, to get himself out of poverty. He now lives in St. Bart's. It's a wonderful place to live. He's he's very successful, made over 100 million. But he his take on economics and on money is fascinating for me. And one of the things that I'm passionate about, uh, Mikhail, is financial literacy and trying to teach people to understand money better. And what you, Henry, because I think if, if more people in the world were financially literate, then they couldn't extract themselves out of poverty. And one of the big problems in the world right now over the last 50 years is that there's so much inequality, okay? And the gap between the rich and the poor continues to grow. So that's why I'm really interested in, in finance. That's why I've, I've launched the podcast Money and Plants because I, I just... Myself, again, I come from humble enough beginnings. I haven't made it by any stretch of the imagination, but I am doing okay. Um, and I'm very confident that I will continue to do okay. But would you agree with me around, you? because you talked about monopoly. And for me, I've always wanted to lend money. So I own a, a lending business. So we lend money to businesses. And I'm fascinated with money. Who, who controls the money supply? How does money work? So that understanding of money, you're self-taught. You weren't taught about money in university or school, right? Is that correct in Holland? So what's your thoughts about money? Would you agree with what I'm saying about inequality, financial literacy, that only a few people in the world understand it? And I just don't think that's the way it should be. I 100% agree, yeah. And I think there should be much more attention to that. And and from this should be taught in schools. And I think um, well, in, in once you understand what money does, what it can do, how you how it behaves that it's a, a tool not an end goal i think once you understand these things yeah it's so important see my mom would say like money wouldn't make doesn't make you happy and i would agree with with her when, when she said that but 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 it is quite powerful and it is a utility and it, and it can help people and um, and it does help people so that just it's um, I'm letting you into my mind. I'm I'm I I really mean that. I am passionate about financial literacy, and that's why uh, I haven't done a podcast like this um, on the show. Really, money and plants with an as as successful as entrepreneur as yourself. So I'm delighted that in Holland, I mean the school system in Holland. My perception is that it's quite good. Um, that that people the Dutch uh, perception would be that Dutch people are are you know they're quite well-educated, they're intelligent, they're interested in academia. Is that fair? Is, is, is the schooling system quite advanced in Holland? Yeah? Quite a good system. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, um, Mikhail, I'm really, I'm going to wrap it up soon, but if you had, if there were three things, pieces of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs, um, what sort of jumps out at you? Because there's going to be a lot of people who who haven't exited and and haven't got to where they, they, they hope to get to in the next five years, you, you thankfully you have got there. So what three pieces of advice would you give to entrepreneurs today? Um, well, that's a, that's a good question again. I think, first of all, the numbers, right? It's a very difficult market right now. Everything is, is changing and it's, so you have to really be be careful, uh, be prudent, uh, use, use your money wisely. 
spend wisely and and um if you can if you can do it without investors i would do it without investors because that makes you more independent okay especially now uh take care of yourself i think that's very important um just look after yourself as a person mentally physically um and uh, and and also understand that that it's a roller coaster it's not always fun it's not always uh not fun it's also yeah. a lot of times fun but all of the above it's part of the ride yeah. and in the end you will hopefully uh, remember the fun things <laughs> and it will all be worth it and uh, yeah and enjoy the rides too i would say tw- i've i've got my own consultancy business 12 years now and most of it has not been fun. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it does give you a, a level of autonomy and, and, and control of your own, uh, I suppose, your own life. Um, and it does give you an element of freedom. Um, I just want to finish up asking you about Ironman. So I have done two full Ironmans and six uh, half Ironmans. Um, probably going to do either a full or a half uh, next year. I, I didn't do one this year. It's the first time in five years i haven't done a race but i've been really busy coaching kids soccer and 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 with my companies and stuff so how many iron men have you done and, and are you hoping to do any more races yeah i did one full one only uh and uh six halves as well yeah and uh in 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 the COVID, in the pandemic i was not doing uh doing an iron man but it kept being postponed so i trained like two years for the same half and, I've, and now I, I, I think I'm interested in doing another half again soon, in a oh, year yeah. or something. Yeah, I think, um, I think my, 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 my conscious mind is saying, yeah, I'm thinking about doing a full Ironman next year, but my subconscious is going, that's never happening. You, you, you're, you're not going to do a full, you'll do a half. So I'll, that's I'll the probably... thing. It's so it's like a full time job doing a full yeah. Ironman training yeah, for it, need... and it's totally worth it. But it's also it's like running a company, you know. Yeah. It's uh, so many uh, ups and downs, and some days are going better and not. And you have to be you're confronted with yourself a lot when when training all the time. Yeah, it's definitely it's. it's it's definitely a time thing for the full one. The half you can manage and, and get through it, but the full one is is too painful not to do the proper training. Um, so, Mikai, look, I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, where can people find you? Uh, are you active on any of the social media channels if people want to have a look at what you've been up to or your website? Yeah, I have a website. It's called capitalv.vc. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, obviously. And I have also uh, helped uh, set up a, a platform, vvolution.com, where it's a marketplace between startups and investors in the, in the plant-based space. Uh, I, was go- I was doing marketplaces in the beginning and I was doing investing. So I thought, why not combine these two? So on vvolution.com, you can find a lot of stuff too. And just final, final question. Um, what, what, where, what, markets in the plant-based space do you think are interesting right now where where are the opportunities what are you trying to get into what companies are you, are you looking to get into did i did i see you talk about fashion yes uh because yeah i've been in in this space for uh, for quite a while now um and 
I'm always looking for new stuff, for innovation, for, for disruptive change and stuff. Uh, food is, is something, there are a lot of investors active now and a lot of startups, and I think I'm not needed there anymore. Um, but what I'm what I'm currently very excited about is uh, vegan uh, materials or plant-based materials like leather, but m made from plants, also not plastic, because the alternative alternative for for uh, animal-based uh, materials used in fashion is often plastic, which is also not good for the planet. So there's now a new type of company popping up, and they're making. Uh, leather, wool, all kinds of stuff, cotton alternatives from uh, from waste streams, from uh, from uh, from materials like pineapple leather. They use the yep. pineapple leaves, uh, stuff like that. I think. And are these are these are these companies alternative leather companies? Are these going to come from the Far East or Africa? Because I live in Ireland, so I'd, I I can't I don't even know where I would get an alternative material to leather in Ireland, or do I just not know? I mean, is it, are, are the materials alternative materials everywhere, and we don't know about them, or what? What's your thoughts on that? They're still small. I think there right. are only okay. one or two ones that are now able to scale, and it's a really big okay. industry fashion. If you want Nike as sure. a client, for example. Uh, you need uh, you need to be able to pre produce a lot. Most cannot yeah. do that yet, uh, okay. but they are everywhere. They you, okay. you have the Italian ones. They use olive uh, olive uh, leftovers. You have one that does makes uh, materials from uh, beer, uh, from leftovers from the beer industry. So that could be okay. uh, local. Okay. Uh, I think Pina Text, the the pineapple one, is based in London. Mm -hmm. So it's in the UK. They they source their materials from all over the world, but the companies are the, everywhere. You've, you've got me thinking about the beer one because in Ireland we're quite good at drinking beer. Um, so there's maybe an opportunity there, Mikhail. So look, Mikhail van Dersen, it's been amazing to talk to you. I'm, I'm going to keep in touch with you and going to keep following you uh, for inspiration. So I just want to say thank you very much for coming on and hope to, to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Looking forward. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mikael. I, I hope you will check him out uh, in terms of his website. Look at some of the stuff he's up to now with Capital V. I think it's really interesting. Um, in my day job, I actually speak to investors and entrepreneurs and business owners and a whole ream of people from the business community. And I'm always looking for characteristics and, uh, and it's so fascinating that you know, human beings in general, we're all extremely different. Um, and Mikhail's a really interesting character because, you know, he's he's obviously he's quite calm, um, how he presents himself. He's 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 Dutch, obviously, so he's he's very conscientious, um, quite sober when you speak to him. Um, but also he's got an incredible brain. And I think what really helped him in his own journey in life, not only business, is is whenever he went in went on to study psychology and, and he's really curious and uh, finding out about how the human brain works. And I think from a business owner's perspective, I think if you can understand human behavior, what humans like, what they don't like, um, I think it, it it's a really good base um, to work from in terms of bringing a product or a service to the market that people might like. 
Um, so I thought that was interesting whenever we talked about that uh, in the conversation. We went into his passions, his motivations, his background as an entrepreneur. Um, pushing through difficult moments is, is something that we, we spoke about. And also then I was interested in his, his thoughts on the personality traits of entrepreneur. What makes a good entrepreneur? So look, that was a different podcast to last week's with Dr. Jeffrey Rediger, where we talked about how the body can heal itself. This week was all about business. So I hope it's added some value to you in terms of understanding what it takes actually um, to build a successful company um, and the difference then between a company and also being an investor. Two very different things, being an entrepreneur and an investor. So I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do too. Reach out to me, Connor at connordevine.com. Let me know what you think. Um, if you have any questions, look forward to that. If you have a second, refer this podcast, send it to one of your friends if you think someone might enjoy it. Um, and also, if you would not mind, I would love you to leave me a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, look after yourself and each other. Yeah.